Welcome to Inside the Walls, the podcast hosted by me, Jeffreen Hayes. And today we have a board member, one of our longest serving board members, Devin Matthews, in to have a conversation about his time on the board, what drew Devin into board leadership and the organization, as well as Devin's, I'm going to say, Devin's role in kind of being my co-conspirator in reimagining the organization. So welcome, Devin. Thank you. I like that. That's a great introduction. I love being co-conspirator. It's been a goal of mine. Finally, I've achieved it. <laughs> well, to do the kind of work that we do at Three Walls, it does require more than just allyship, right? Um, what we're talking about is really changing the the, the system, dismantling the system and creating a new system. And while allies are helpful in that, as I talk about in one of our earlier episodes, being a co-conspirator actually helps to get the work done. And so Devin has been the number one co-conspirator over the past five years. You're one of the reasons why we are able to do the work that we do. Uh, even though Devin never likes to take any credit for that, I think it's always important to show gratitude. So, Devin, tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. This is where I drag out the story and run out of, run out of time before we get into any of the uncomfortable stuff. No, uh, so, Devin Matthews, I uh, grew up in upstate New York, moved to Chicago 25 years ago um, to go to grad school in something totally unrelated to what I do today. Um, but I had studied art and art history as a as an undergrad, uh, and always and thought I would go down an academic path that way, and that's why I moved to Chicago. Life got in the way. I wound up getting a job instead of going to grad school, uh, and just kind of liked working and worked for nice people who poured a lot into me. So I just followed that path. Um, so I think when I joined the board, they uh, they were looking for a finance guy because I think it's small when boards are small and organizations are small, you're kind of like, okay, what does the board do? Well, Oh, we need a real estate person and a finance person. And maybe a, if it's an arts organization, we need an artist or if you know, it's something else, we need something else. So you're kind of filling holes that maybe make the organization uh, more resilient or able to react to different things. So I think that was my, that was my entry into the board which was a friend. Again, go back when you're in startup phase, what does the board look like? It's friends and friends of friends and people right. who have certain skills or connections uh, to help shorten the time to get stuff done or solve problems. So that was the role I filled. A very close friend of mine um, had a relationship with a then executive director that had just made the transition from founder to kind of outside ED who had been involved in the organization and she had kind of studied and I think she went to the art Institute and kind of had studied how to, you know, kind of arts administration and things. Uh, so she had just stepped in. So you had this transition happening and then they were starting to add people with skills. And I was the finance person. Little did they know I'm not really good at finance. I'm actually more of like a, uh, I'm more of like a builder person, like kind of help, help organizations grow than I am ticking and tying the numbers so I faked it a little, but we were small back then. Uh, but yeah, it was a group of very nice people who sat around and were like, okay, if it's finance, Devin, what do you think? If it's, you know, real estate, 
you know, what do you think? And then try and build the connective tissue to the community or different parts of the arts world or funders or whatever it is. You just try and pick people who could do that. Most of which who had relationships with somebody in the organization or somebody on the board, which is just the way you do it. So that was 2007, I think. Yeah. So it was a long time ago. Yeah. So you've been on the board now then 13 years. Yes. And I'm only 16. So (laughs) (laughs) yes, only 16. And, you know, it's an interesting thing to think about when building boards and, and always building alongside of the organization in terms of how long people should be on a board. And a lot of times uh, in organizations, when you have board members who've been there, like almost the life of the organization, a lot of change can actually take place because they're beholden to what was. Interestingly enough, that is not the case with you. And can you talk a little bit more about what your role is on the board and particularly in the the moment of transition of recognizing that with leadership change, the organization needed to change. I think sometimes boards, they pay lip service to that, but then don't really want the organization to change so much. Uh, but you were one of those who saw the need for it. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Well, I I think, um, I mean, in my day job, I sit on boards, like company boards. So I'm used to the board dynamic and I know what a good board looks like, what a bad board, a functional, dysfunctional board looks like. Um, I sit on some other nonprofit boards um, and I often come in either really early when things are scrappy because I love underdogs. I love, you know, organizations that are trying to be bigger than they actually are. And Three Walls had that and still has that. I think People will be surprised at how kind of scrappy we are um, because I think we project a much bigger persona uh, because of the the work we do. Um, but I'm sure you've already covered that in all the other podcasts. So I come in either really early or I come in during a transition. So I came in the first time. Yeah, they needed a finance guy, but it was also kind of first outside ED um, taking over from a, from a founder. What then happened was the ED got a, a really great job offer. And she took that. So the founder stepped back in. So then that was another transition. And then that ran its course for a while. And then the founder got a great job offer that she couldn't refuse. And she had been thinking about what was next. And then we did a search, a national search and found you and brought you in. So there was enough time, enough transitions going on that that was interesting for me. I think I'm good at that, at least being like a a sounding board or a advisor to, to the the board and direct and the, the, you know, the leadership and the staff during transitions. So it was an, so that was new. If it was the same person running it and I was on the board for 13 years and it was the same mission the whole time, that would, I think that that's not all that productive. You know, I think in my day job, I'm on boards for three, four or five years kind of. Um, and that's probably enough by the fifth year, you're all sick of each other. <laughs> it's probably time to move on. Um, and uh, so, th- so that was one. There was lots of transitions going on in that 13-year period. This has been probably the longest I've been on the board where there hasn't been a transition, which has been great. And uh, so that's what I'm, I was good at. I think the board, stepping back a lot, I think the board in nonprofit boards, in my experience, totally my opinion, is the board is there. First of all, you pay to be on the board in like the 
corporate world, people pay you to be on a board. It's like total like nonprofit. It's like, let's, let's have people pay us to be on the board. So I've never understood why you would pay to be on a board and then not be kind of all in for the organization. And so again, we're all, everybody who's listening to this probably is in the, our world. Um, and they're probably have been in board meetings. They're like, why is this person complaining? Or why is this person disagreeing? Or why is this person trying to run the organization from the board? These organizations that I've been involved in uh, are so small and so like just need all the help they can get that there aren't a lot of boundaries between the board and the organization. In fact, the board probably feels like they're part of the organization. And these bigger organizations, you know, boards I'm on, it's very clear what the staff and the leadership do and what the board does. And it's a very bright line between the two. And in board meetings, people will say, that's not your business. You know, tell board members, well, that's not your business. I run the school, you go raise money for the school, not your job to tell me what we should teach in, you know, English class. Uh, But still people want to, want to, you know, chime in. So I think um, our organization, no different than any other. The lines are blurred between board and staff in terms of, you know, who's helping out and doing things. But I I think the board at the end of the day of a small organization or any organization is you're there because you believe in the mission. You want to help raise money for that mission. Uh, and you connect dots or jump in when the, when the, the team needs you to do it. But you, base, you stay out of programming. You stay out of, you know, what the mission is, uh, other than if you're asked for advice on that. Uh, so I don't know. I feel that way. I think I'm in the minority because I think people often join boards to get associated with something. I think a lot of people, maybe not the majority, well, I really... I think it's cool what they're doing. I'd love to be on the board. And they can tell, well, I'm on the board of three walls or I'm on the board of this, right? Do this. And then that gets messy because they identify with the organization, which is amazing. And they're telling people about it. And that's great. But when they step in that board meeting, they forget that they don't run the place. And you're not looking for advice on like, hey, what should our next show be? Who's the next artist we should use? Like, don't come in with that. Just come in with, Oh, you've picked an amazing slate of shows for the next, you know, or performances or whatever, you know, your, your focus is. How do I help you go execute that? Not, oh, let me tell you why I don't like that artist because I read something about them once. It's like, that's really not your, that's really not your, your place, in my opinion. Yeah. And so I think part of the challenge with nonprofit boards is that there's an assumption that uh, the organization always needs your help in terms of the hands-on. So it becomes really paternalistic, and that is not the role, depending on the organization. Yes, they're absolutely working boards who are making those daily decisions. And then I think the other part of that is a lot of board members join boards and don't know what their role actually is. They've joined the board because they know someone, right? And so there's not this board training or really frank conversations about what your role is. And then when those boundaries are crossed into like the daily operations of the organization, oftentimes there isn't someone on the board who's willing to say, actually, this is not your place. Right. And sometimes the ED isn't in the position to say that because the board can hire by the ED. 
we're talking about small not arts nonprofits. I assume that's I'm gonna assume that's probably our audience, though a lot of this is applicable across small organizations. We're not talking about the Art Institute or the MCA no. or some huge museum somewhere. So where they're basically you're being brought on probably one because you can you can donate and bring a lot of money, but they're filling a role in the finance committee or they're filling a role, you know, somebody cycled off on the development committee and they're kind of bringing you with the IAs that you can serve that purpose. In the small organization, yeah, most of the people around the table know each other uh, and probably know the the leadership and the staff. So, uh, and people aren't really comfortable with conflict. So I think it gets tricky. I think it gets tricky for the ED to be the board cop. Okay, that's off limits. That's on limits. That's really for the head uh, of the board, whether it's president or chairperson or, or whatever of the board, to really be that um, the traffic cop for board meetings. One is, and we've had to learn this over time, is run an efficient meeting. It uh, doesn't mean it needs to be sterile or stale or too you know programmatic uh, where it gets boring, but run an efficient meeting, be on time, start on time, end on time. This is a volunteer. In fact, people are paying to be on this board, so respect people's time, but have a clear ending at the board. We've learned this recently of kind of going through some exercises, Jeffrey, um, of like at the end of the meeting, okay, who's supposed to do what? Who's responsible for what? I'm talking about organizations that don't have big committees and there's lots of committee work getting done and just getting brought back to the board. So, okay, who's responsible for what? What's the time frame? And that's tough to put on the ED to do that all the time. Oftentimes it is. Okay, who's doing what? And when are you going to get back to me? And you know, what's the expectation? So a good head of the board will take a lot of that heat to allow the, the ED and allow the staff to not have to be the, the nudge or the bad guy or the and that's tricky. Yeah. And I, what I'll say about the board is that, yes, there's been a lot of, in terms of using the word growth, there has been a lot of growth with this board. Um, and we are now at a place where the work, uh, the commitment that's been uh, made over the past five years feels like it's rooted and it, there doesn't necessarily need to be a shift, a drastic shift. And that feels good because everyone who is on the board is absolutely invested in the mission of the organization, the way that we are supporting artists in Chicago and supporting the team and all of kind of like the intersections that come with art in in our contemporary world. And we wouldn't as a team and as an ED wouldn't be able to do that without the board. And certainly I think without the board transition. Am I the only board member from when you joined? Am I the only one left? No, there's one other, Oren. All right. Yeah. So Oren, so he had uh, probably just about joined. Yeah. So Oren and I share kind of five years. Same time frame. But let me, like, I'll address that. This is totally normal. Totally makes sense. When a director leaves, it's probably time for some board members to leave because uh, you need a hyper-engaged board at that time, not a disengaged board. I think in the arts, a lot of people are super polite and they're passionate and they want to do the right thing. And they feel like, well, if it's time, if I leave now, if I don't stick around for this transition, I'm leaving the organization in a tough spot, especially in a really small organization, like maybe five, six, seven board members. We're not talking about like 50 board members, right. but four left. You know, nobody would notice. But when you have a small group, 
and a few people transition out or there's change, that feels really disruptive. Uh, but I'm telling you, it's not. It's a good thing. And people, even if there isn't a change in the director, people should cycle off after a period of time because you know, you've tapped all your friends for money, you've run your course, you're not paying as much attention as you were before. And maybe, you know, you should just time to gracefully exit and not put it on the director or the staff to say like, hey, this is, you know, I'm chasing you down. You're not coming to meetings. Sure, you're paying your dues, which is great. And the director doesn't want to say like, oh, ask people to leave the board because that feels, again, these are small groups. There are lots of close relationships. So I think I would encourage board members to like make it easy for the your director mm-hmm. to, to to telegraph way ahead of time. Like, hey, I've got one more year left in me or I've got 18 months left in me. I can help you go find the next person, but it's better to have new blood. And I think I was bugging you early, like, hey, Jeff Reed, you need your people on the board, your people, like people that join because of you, not people who stuck around because they believed in you which was, that was me, but sticking around because, you know, they liked, they they want to give you a chance and they like what you're saying and they supported you and voted for you, you know, to join is very different from people who were like, met you for the first time, you know, met you as the ED and are joining because of what you're telling them we're going to go try and do. And that's important. That's a very different, I mean, think of the board today, how you Mm -hmm. experienced them versus the board five years ago. How experience them, and how would you describe the feeling of the board? And this is no knock on old board members. This is just, absolutely not. No, 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 no. You know, a board you inherit versus a board you build are two very different things. Yeah, I mean, it was in the beginning. It was really hard because I was the new girl, right? It's like being the new girl at school and trying to, uh, you know, make friends with people. Who don't really know who don't know you they know you on paper um and you know over time you did tell me i think even in our first meeting after i got hired uh that i needed i needed my supporters and needed to change the board and every time there was a board issue over the past four years you've always come back to that and part of my hesitation, not necessarily in the very beginning, part of it in the beginning, it was just kind of like, let me get to know folks. And it was always, but it became very clear who was going to stay and who wasn't. Yeah, um, and, and people and, felt bad leaving. It's like, no, it's okay to leave. Right. The board. There's, like, there's no love lot. Like, look, you were good. This, yeah. is, this is the life cycle. Right. Um, and and hanging, that, hanging around and being disengaged is is worse than not being around at all. Right. It doesn't do damage. Yeah. Cause it's energy and all that stuff. And it's totally natural. If you've been on the board for a while and you're don't even, you know, and you don't, and you're not feeling it as much as you did when you first joined, then it's time, time, time to transition off and don't make the director force it. Yeah. And so with the newer board members having those initial conversations and being very clear about the boundaries of this is the role. This is what I need you to do. This is what we need you to do. If you're down with that, join the board. If you're not, then this probably is not the right board for you. And so I got very frank over time around those needs because I know in order for me to support the team in doing their job, 
I need the board to support me, right? And so we haven't necessarily had those issues. I mean, of course, board members will always have ideas, but yeah, it comes back to, well, this is what we do and that's it. So yeah, thanks for sharing about that because I think a lot of times, not just with uh, folks who may be board members or interested in being board members, but I think given especially this moment we're in where art institutions are rupturing um, because of the pandemic, because of uh, uprisings for Black lives and artists really owning their agency and and holding these institutions accountable, the culture workers, museum workers doing that, there's always been this kind of veil when it comes to the board um, and what their role is and who they are. And I think for a lot of uh, cultural workers and artists who are thinking about creating an arts organization or an art space and thinking about the board structure, all of this, this conversation is very helpful to them. My advice, if there's a, a director listening or staff of a, of a nonprofit arts organization listening, if you don't have 100% alignment from the head of the board, through the board, to the, to the ED, through the staff, and then to your audience. If there's not a straight line of alignment, you need to make a change. You need to, you need to. I would strongly encourage you to go to the head of the board and say, we need to make a change here. I have two more questions. One is, so we've been having this conversation around three walls in terms of growth, in terms of our size and what that means. And I'm curious to hear from you, do you believe that we are still a small organization? Yeah, just count the numbers. We're very small staff-wise. And I think people outside of Chicago, I mean, I think a lot of people in Chicago, people outside of the organization on the board would probably be surprised at how lean we are, um, given kind of how big our voice is, I believe, which I love. I think that's great. But it's only so long you can be the scrappy underdog who can't pay a staff what they deserve and, and you know give them the proper benefits and all the things that you know humans uh, need and deserve. So yes, we're small. I have an ambition for my own business of quality over quantity, and I've really respected you. And I tell you all the time, you're an entrepreneur. You're you just happen to run an arts organization, but you are a startup entrepreneur and you could if you want if you decided to start a company five years ago it would be wildly successful so it's great to have people with your approach and your way of thinking and your scrappiness and vision running arts organizations rather than running companies because we need we need we need that here as well so yeah we're small i think we have you've been had smart growth you and the team have been like okay this is an opportunity to to expand, but still deeply within the mission and reinforcing what we're already doing. Yeah, I've had a lot of I have a lot of respect for you and the team for doing that. But yeah, we're still yeah we're still small, and I wouldn't want to go add a bunch of people until everybody on, that we have felt like oh I've got enough. We can now afford to bring on somebody else and give them what they deserve from a you know from a work life balance, from compensation, from benefits. You know, I think lots of organizations get ahead of themselves 
Mm-hmm. And then they kind of this boom bust cycle uh, where they hire too many people, then they have to fire. And they hire people when the people they have aren't getting paid enough or have good you know benefits that um, are appropriate for their role. Uh, don't have you know retirement or other types of things like get your team sorted first financially, and then go add people. But be able to add people and be able to support them financially as well. So I think we've been smart about about that. I'm always reminded that, and you and other board members and you know funders, those who support us, say how much has happened in five years. And it doesn't feel like, I mean, yes, a lot has happened, but I also know there's so much more that we need to be doing. But now that I'm about to hit my five-year anniversary, it's like, oh yeah, there's been a lot of work (laughs) to get to this place and to be able to think about uh, more intentionally, what does it mean to take care of the team financially, their work-life balance, them planning for their own future. And that feels good. And yes, I'm absolutely aligned in terms of until we can do that with the team we have, adding more people to just kind of be in that cycle of not um, having that wellness uh, doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. So organizations get themselves in trouble because they have this big ambition and they like, well, let's go raise money to go do that. And I think what we've been able to do is say, well, let's do this thing and raise the capital to do it rather than, oh, let's raise the capital first and then we'll figure things out. Or let me hire some people and they'll be so amazing that they'll go help build the organization. It's like, okay, well, it rarely works in a small organization. It's usually a couple people who are really driving things. Mm-hmm. And if those people are, are too ambitious too early, it winds up like mm-hmm. you know like the whole let's go buy a building we need a building you know how many arts organizations don't longer exist because they bought a building and i think we've kind of had moderate like okay we we take a little step a little step a little step and then we've been able to pounce recently on a big on big opportunity when it was mm-hmm. it fit us rather than to go chase the capital and then it starts to snowball Right. If you've built that foundation, then like one big thing happens, then another thing and another thing and another thing. Um, so that gets to be fun too. Mm-hmm. But that takes a while. It does. And thankfully, I'm patient. We'll see how patient I am. But, you know, it's been five years. I was going to call it stubborn, but the good kind <laughs> of stuff. stubborn. Stubborn? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Probably. There's a little bit of that too. It'd be like, I know, well, there's a little bit of, I know I'm right. I know the world needs this and I'm going to wait it out. Right. Rather than, you know, rather than chase it. I wouldn't say that I know I'm right. I know you wouldn't say that. I, you know, it's more of, I know that this is what is needed and I'm going to build it whether you're with me or not. Eventually you will come to realize it, but yeah, that's, I think that's, yeah, that's a little bit of stubborn. That's a little bit of just being really focused on the larger vision. Um, And I think sometimes understanding that we have to, I was having this conversation with some artists a couple weeks ago that we actually have to model the alternatives. 
And it's one thing to say it, but it's a whole nother thing to actually model it because a lot of people don't believe. We are in a world where our imagination is trampled on every day or sucked out of us. And so that is how I've always navigated the world. Like, I'm just going to, I see it. I strongly believe in it and I'm just going to build it and prove it. Yeah. And then what, when you do that, it attracts, the word gets out that it's real. It's not just marketing. And then it attracts, like quality attracts quality. Um, and they're like, oh, you actually take care of artists. Oh, you actually take care of yourself. Oh, you actually have a board that's aligned with the mission and support of it. Oh, like, you know, yeah. you have all these things. I want to be associated with an organization like you. And I, I think that Three Walls should be a great place to be and be a great place to be from mm-hmm. for our team, our board, our artists, all the community members we work to say, like, we don't, we may be a great um, place for somebody at a moment in their career and a moment in their life, a moment in their work, but we don't need to be it forever. We don't need to be totally aligned and in sync forever, but for some small, some period of time for me, 13 years and for others, you know, maybe 13 minutes, <laughs> if they pop yeah. into, if they pop into something we're doing, and say like, okay, that I feel I'm better off having had three walls in my life, either. Jeffrey was the best boss I ever had, and she helped me step onto something else. Or, hey, wow, I had I was able to do work with that organization for a few months, um, or they sponsored my work, or they brought me into a you know an opportunity to speak with them or speak to their community. It's like they treated me with respect, they paid me for what I was worth, they gave me the time to you know think through things, they challenged me, made me better. And they were super respectful when I was there spending time. That just, it just gets out there. And then people say, okay, I want to be part of that. And then you have all these opportunities and you just have to pick the best ones. Mm-hmm. And we are absolutely at that point, but that's a whole nother conversation. And then you have to have really good food and not take yourself too seriously. So you put that on top of it. Ooh, Look, that's chef kiss. Like that's the that's best. Exactly right. All of, all of the above. Okay. So my last question as we wrap up our conversation is, what are your hopes for the organization? Wow. You didn't even give me this ahead of time. So I have to like come up with it on on my own. So hopes for the organization are, I hope that um, more people recognize the work we're doing because I think in my job as board member, financial stability resilience um, uh, is the most important is keeping the organization thriving and um, able to withstand shocks like these in the world. Uh, So I hope more people um, see what we're doing and decide that it's so it's worthy of their investment. So that's one. Uh, And we're making good progress there, but we can always do better. Uh, two is I hope that uh, for the for the people that work there that this is the maximum amount of fun for the longest period of time. So back to this, be a good place to be and a good place to be from. I would hope that you look back and say that was really fun, and I grew and I struggled, but I like am so much better having 
been a part of Three Walls. And then all our audience, our staff, our board feel like, okay, that was, you know, I had the Mac, I had the most amount of fun for the perfect amount of time for the when Three Walls was in my life. That's what I would hope. And I hope the third is that we just have like some random impacts on people we'll never know that somebody came into something we were doing or had some association with us some way and they didn't send us a thank you note. And we, we have no idea that years later, there's this little thing in their mind that they say, like, I saw something that like put me on a, a big different trajectory that was meaningful or even a small little one, that there's just something that they can't shake loose that we get into their brain and they like, wow, okay, that was really impactful. That one little fleeting moment. So I hope we do that too. Our core audience has been amazing. The artists we work with, amazing. I just like, I think of somebody who has no idea who we are, walks into something we're supporting and leaves a changed person in some small way that then makes other people's lives better because they felt that change. So money, love, and impact. That's what I, that's what I hope for, for the organization. Thank you, Devin. Those are all absolutely aligned with the ethos of the organization. And good food. Always good food. So let me just say, I think everyone so far this season has talked about food. <laughs> As they should. And so we're the kind of board that talks about what we're going to eat next while we're eating something amazing. That's just that's the sign of a good group of people. Yes. Yes. Planning your next meal during your current meal. That's an amazing uh, uh, asset to have as a board. So I appreciate that. Well, I could easily spend hours just having this conversation. Yes. You know, I love you and I love spending time with you. So thank you for making time for me. Yeah, no, thank you for making time to to speak and to share a little bit more about really what goes on behind the scenes with Three Walls. You know, the intent is to be as transparent as possible. And we are in a moment where more people are watching and wanting to learn from us. And so that's the whole point of the podcast. So thank you for making time. The sound designs that you hear at the beginning and at the end of the podcast are by Jared Brown. The podcast is also supported by the Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Andy Warhol Foundation for Visual Arts, and the Cerna Foundation.